Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Wednesday Solo Show. I'm your host, A. Thompson. It's Wednesday the 4th of Jan. Uh, it's uh, episode 139 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's your twice-weekly delve into the world of politics and dystopia. Let's get into it straight off the bat. Um, something, something really weird happened this morning. I don't know if you noticed it in the, uh, in the newspapers and the, uh, the sort of, you know, the regular news channels. Um, it was, you know, it was, it was this morning, right? When I looked at them, like, so I'm, I'm out walking out the house, right? I just dropped my son off and I'm, I'm on the Sky News app or website, whatever it was, um, as, as per usual. And then I flicked onto the BBC News thing. And I'm, you know, I'm drinking in the headlines. I'm trying to get my inspo for shit to rant about to you all, right? As I'm now doing, sitting here, right? And there's a, you know, there's a collapsing or collapsed NHS happening out there, right? You know this. I know this. It is happening. If it was happening in a country with a few oil barrels... We'd be calling it a humanitarian crisis and getting ready to invade it. <laughs> but it's happening within, you know, a mile or two of your house, I guess, and my house. And yet, no sign of it. On the Express, the Mail, the Sun. The Telegraph made a quick mention of it. And you might be thinking, you know, oh, wicked, that's, uh, that's something. That's, yeah. But I am here to tell you, dear listener, that the mention they made was Alison, I hope my kids get COVID, Pearson basically saying, of course the NHS is in crisis. Their managers are fucking shit. So that's great. Thanks very much for that refreshing and measured take on this guy's grand laying dead in a barely bleached corridor. Good job, Alison. Thank you. Your contribution is always welcome. I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Like, I always think people like Alison Pearson, uh, who dismiss the health risks of shit, you know, the the mask mockers, the, you know, the jab skeptics, pe- people like her. You know, the, the, the ones that who are like, oh, come on, what, what a load of rubbish. You know, so what if you've got COVID? You could get back to work. It's just the flu. You know, like that lot, right? Like, I wonder if Alison Pearson would be so happy now for her son to catch COVID. Now that her similarly dismissive takes on the running of the NHS have rendered it overrun and collapsing, you know? Like, oh, I hope I hope my son gets COVID. Okay, cool. Well, now he's got it and he needs a ventilator. Stat. <laughs> well, can I get him to a hospital? A, 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 fucking, a fucking what, Alison? The, th- the thing you've just been dismissing as little more than a... Poorly run McDonald's. That that is where you want to send your son now, is it? Right. Anyway, so look, precious little mentioned about this um, this bodies pile high situation unfurling before our very eyes, and it's you know it's not just in newspapers. It is, as I said, Sky and BBC also. Um, and I don't know, it just, that feels weird to me. That feels strange. A bit too government line for my taste. Yeah, I, I know we all love to bash, you know, both the BBC and Sky News for being either too Brexity or too Tory or UKIP happy, which, which is fair when you look at things like the BBC's coverage of the People's Vote marches or the absence of it, right? Uh, And it's fair when you're looking at things like Question Time, who always seem to go running to Nigel Farage and Julia Hartley Brewer once a month while leaving people like Femi on the sidelines. 
I know the BBC catches some stick, right? And they are not immune from criticism. But generally, I always think their actual news output, you know, their bulletins and their website, is, I think it's pretty good, you know? You know, your, your Hugh Edwards, your Ross Atkins, they do a pretty good job, I think, of reporting what is going on out there. So just just bank that for a minute, right? BBC News, fairly balanced, I think. Now, Sky News, I know we give it some shit sometimes for, you know, being this sort of Murdochian British Fox News or whatever. People see it as, as this sort of commercial politainment conduit sometimes. You'll see panel discussions on in the evening and you think... Wait, hang on a second. Like, why have they got all these swooshing titles flying in? And why, why the fuck have they got Emily Carver and Andrew? I don't care about equality. Lilico of the, in my opinion, hugely discredited Tufton Street set. Like, why are they on? This all feels a bit, you know, GB News and Talk TV for me. I, you know. but if you pan out and you look at their actual news output. They're pretty good, too. You know, it's just, you know, broad news and analysis is pretty good. You know, your Ed Conways, your Kay Burleys, your Sarah Jane Mees. Oh, Sarah Jane Mee, be still my beating heart. And, it, and Beth Rigby and so on, right? They do a pretty good job, I think. And also, right, whilst we're on the subject-ish, kind of, right, please, please remember, I know it's not particularly funny talking about this stuff, so if you're tuning in, like, what, what the fuck, Aid? Like, where's, where's the jokes? Give us a rant or something. Have a meltdown again. Like, I'm sure we'll get to that. But just, you know, before we do, please remember that Sky News is editorially independent from the owners of Sky. And the owners of Sky drastically changed over the last few years, right? Murdoch's stake, Rupert Murdoch's stake, went down quite a bit. And eventually, this is about, you know, five or six years ago now, they just completely sold their shit to Comcast. So it is not Murdoch. Like, Mur Murdoch sold up to go and live happily ever after with Jerry Hall. <laughs> like, although, you know. According to some reports, that may not have panned out quite the way he was hoping. Um, not sure he set himself much of an attainable goal there. But anyway, Sky are basically, you know, now Sky are basically a brand for NBC Universal in over in America now. Like they're not a Murdoch thing. In fact, I don't know if this is of any interest to any of you, if you're media junkies or, or whatever. But NBC in the in the US is like the opposite of a Murdoch thing. Like, they do, you know, left-leaning content. Like, I mean, I'm sure they would argue that they're very balanced. They're not left or right. But in contrast to Murdoch's Fox News nonsense, NBC are fucking lentil-eating eco-activists. So, anyway, bit of a side note there. But, it, it, you know, it just it grates on me a little when people still say now, five years after that buyout that Sky News is a Rupert Murdoch mouthpiece. You know? I say people still say that. I, I said it. I said it like two minutes ago. So I, you know, I, I grate on myself. But I think we all knew that anyway. Anyway, so, right. Sky News and the BBC are both, in my humble opinion, fairly balanced, centery output, Okay. And the Brexiters say that the BBC is too lefty and metropolitan elite -y, and the, the Remainers say it's too Koonsberg and question time. But overall, in my opinion, that tells you that it's probably doing an OK job of juggling both sides of the scale. And yet, the NHS is in freefall and there was no mention of it on the Sky News website, on the BBC News website. It's just, I mean, you know, none of the right-wing papers covered it this morning. They were all talking about the maths thing, the lobby briefing about the maths 
policy, which in and of itself is a scandal. But, I, you know, you expect that from these fucking idiots. But the BBC and Sky News, I've just spent three minutes telling you why I think they're sort of quite reasonable and balanced. And yet no mention of the situation with the NHS on either one's website. Like, it's it's so weird and jarring. Like, it's, I mean, it is really fucked out there at the moment, by the way. It's like the NHS is in absolute chaos. People are dying on trolleys, in waiting rooms. People are getting fucking testicular examinations in corridors, I heard last night, with fucking makeshift curtains wrapped around them. People getting ushered into cupboards because there's no rooms for whatever they've been brought in for. Like, imagine that shit. Imagine having your fanny looked at in a cupboard. Like... Like, it's already a bad day. It's it's a Tuesday morning. You're still knackered from the weekend. The kids drove you nuts. A cervical smear was not top of your Christmas list, but needs must. But it's just already not a good time. It's not a fun morning. You already don't want to be there. Then imagine having your doctor, like, yeah, could you just put this uh, this leg up on top of the printer? cartridges there so I can get a, a better look how fucking grim is that and you'd be like um has it like has it cleared up down there no oh, I, I I don't know there's a there's a glare on your labia from the box of biros over here can you just move, move to this oh yeah it's much better I can see like it's so ah oh, that like how do we get here you know just doctors giving sen- sensitive diagnoses in whatever room they can find you know no beds over here no consultancy room over there there's no fucking just somewhere anywhere anything somewhere that has a vague resemblance to privacy to it the consultants are like yeah it's fine just come and follow me in here follow me in here then they're like as your consultants i'm i am sorry to tell you uh but the blood results are back and uh, it's not the result that we wanted, but the I'm afraid the tumour is inoperable. Oh, my God. Oh, my... Really? I, I mean, I was... I, I feel so well... Yeah, it's... I know, I know it's upsetting. Um, and it, it must be very difficult to take in. It's going to be a shock. It's not the result that we wanted, but I am... I am really... So, and then a voice from the next cubicle is like... Pardon me? <laughs> Oh, just a horrible shit in the next cubicle. And then the toilet flushes. I mean, like, I'm joking, but I'm also kind of not, right? Like, like, we're probably a matter of hours away here on Wednesday night, right? Mark my words, a matter of hours until the first news story comes out about a diagnosis revealed in a toilet cubicle. Like, fuck me. All of these shows, all of these shows where I've been taking the piss about how dystopian the future is going to be because your husband might, you know, fuck a few robots. Uh, you know, what kind of marital complications might that yield? How technology and progress are going to reach these terrifying new heights and we're going to have to reason. Like, what a come down from that to land back in 2023 where doctors are giving you bad news next to some hungover student nurse's craft ale boo. Like, oh. Everything's so grim. Anyway, look, so the NHS is collapsing. That is, I think, a fact that we can say at this point. I think we should say it like that. People always speak in this sort of, um, you know, this half-assed, vague terminology with this stuff, don't they? Like, they always say... I I don't know how much more the NHS can take, you know? It's stuff like it's like vague. It's in the future. The NHS is almost at breaking point. Like that's how they phrase it. Like it might break. Like if you keep this up, it might not survive. Like we're so fucking stupid in this country. Like it's obviously done. It's obviously toast. Two year waiting lists. Kids dying in casualty waiting rooms. That is not a functioning health service, guys. There it is. That That is your headline, Sky News. 
I'm available for freelance. <laughs> I'll do a cheaper rate if you throw in some booper. It is just, it's fucked. It's gone. The NHS might buckle if we don't take this. Whenever, whenever I hear Britain saying that stuff, you know, whenever I hear us saying that sort of stuff, I'm like, these people, and by, by these people, I, do, I mean you, me, society, Britain, the NHS, my book, like, I'm like, these people are like some woman-beating piece of shit, right? Just repeatedly punching the bloodied, pulped corpse of his wife. Just, uh, uh, I don't know how much more she can take. I mean, <laughs> so somebody should treat her better. You know, it's like... Like, I think we should just come out and say it now. Like, if you go to the A&E right now, you might not get seen. And you might die in the car park. That is not a functioning health service. Ergo, it has collapsed. If you go to your GP and your GP says, yeah, you're going to need a hernia operation and it's, you know, a year or two years away and you're just sitting there hunched over for fucking years. That is not a functioning health service. Fucking corpses in corridors, dead kids in the waiting room. Like, can we just say it's collapsed, please? Words are important. Why is this the one time the media are circumspect with their language? I mean, I say, you know, circumspect. I say, you know, with their language, but like, honestly, they are more than so. They, they are so risk averse. There is literally no mention of the NHS collapsing or anything relating to it on either BBC News's website or Sky News's website or any of the major newspapers. The only one that covered it this morning was the mirror. That was it. Like, how weird is that? That is like some sort of fucked up North Korea, Russian state media thing. And, you know, whenever you say that stuff, people always accuse you of being, you know, hyperbolic or they say, you know, oh, oh come on now. You're being hysterical. But ask yourself this. Let this swirl around in your brain for a minute. Like if Kim Jong Un was out there giving New Year's videos, you know. Like, it's a time for optimism and there's, there's good times ahead and shit. Like, while his own people were wailing in agony in overflowing hospitals and the infrastructure of the country had ground to a halt. And then, if his Great Republic of Korea News Institute's headlines were just like, you know, like, like it is here on the BBC saying, you know, the uh, head of state wants all pupils to study maths to 80. Just a non-story. Just regular people dying over here. No fucks given. State media like, oh, and hero emperor is saying something heroic and leadery over here. Like, wouldn't we look at that and go like, well, yeah, I mean, cool. But that is that is what a banana republic failed state looks like. I mean, you know, were, were, you, ex were you expecting integrity and compassion from that basket case failed state? Over there, really? I mean, you, you have some optimistic aspirations, sir. You, you, were, you were hoping for something better from North Korea, really? Were, were, were you expecting pillow talk and an all-night spoon from Ted Bundy, too? Like, I mean, high expectations. And I don't know, man. Like, this is, this is the problem, right? Not to get too deep on you. Not to get too one lonely man ranting in his shed while he consumes beer. But this is the problem with British exceptionalism, man. <laughs> is you're raised to believe that things are different in Blighty, aren't you? Things are just better here, you know? We're just we're just better in Britain than those are you know those are those, those those other places, right? Things, things just work here, don't they? I mean, yes, yes, we've got some problems. And yes, the politicians are a bit grubby. And God knows there's a, there's a few too many potholes as you come up commercial road to King's Cross. It makes curb crawling a bit harder on the old hip than it ever used to be. But, oh, you know, day to day, trains and buses and, you know, the channels on your telly box. Britain is a bloody good place to be. Britain is just 
better. Like, that is the sort of attitude that you're raised with here. It's like, we won the war. We're the goodies. Things just work. Everything's jolly good. Everything's gentleman handshakes and waiting your place in the queue and, you know, blah, blah. And yet, when you contrast our current political climate against the shit that we ordinarily mock other countries for and for putting up with, like, we're not actually that different, you know? Like, we've got people looting the public coffers. We've got, you know, regular people getting taxed. Then well-connected and hugely corrupt individuals make off with the cash. We've got state-sanctioned media, pretty much. We've got normal people dying, wailing about in agony, while the Emperor Sunak, and indeed Johnson before, just left to do whatever the fuck they like. You know, in Johnson's case, that was swilling his Don Perignon and getting blowjobs in the foreign office and shit. But with Sunak, it's holding meetings with Silicon Valley execs, applying for green cards and, you know, his wife dodging tax that he at the time was responsible for collecting. Like, while the national press look on, like, yeah, oh, what did you say there, Rishi? Maths. Maths compulsory. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Inspired. Yes. Don't worry. Don't worry. We've got your back, bro. I know. I know that there's corpses laid out on the floor of Wickham General's staff room like the shit was the end of a Radiohead video. Just bodies laid out. I know it could be politically inconvenient for you that the same shit the nurses and doctors have been warning and protesting about has now become real. And it is as bad as they were warning. And you might look like a fucking idiot, but it's fine, Rishi. We've got you. We will absolutely run your shitty maths initiative on the front page of every right-wing newspaper in the morning. Don't you worry about it. Like, how can anyone seriously say, <laughs> well, things are just better here. You know, oh, we're, we're better than those other countries. We have the same fucking problems that they do. The only difference is we're too fucking ignorant to realise it. Anyway, back to the NHS. It's like I said in the... Um, I can't remember if it was a TikTok video or a Twitter video now. But I said this thing in, in, a, in a video this morning, or maybe it was yesterday. But, like, how wild is it that we kind of made it through the pandemic, right? Which you would think, you know, respiratory... You know, you'd think a respiratory disease that is highly, transmis highly transmissible with a high fatality, right, in some groups... You could see how that might propel huge chunks of the population into an already stretched thin NHS, into the arms of public services. And how it might overwhelm and overrun the wards, pack out the beds, max out the ventilators. Like, you think deathly throes of the COVID-19 pandemic and you think, yeah, I think I can see how things might get busy in that scenario, right? But I don't think we ever dreamed that we would see this level of death and indignity from just a fucking new wave of January. You know? Like, how bummed would you be? Right? How bummed would you be if you were a hospital doctor and you made it through the pandemic, right, to now see the whole shit just collapse like this? Like, I think that would be a buzzkill. I think that would be, you know, that'd be like going to war, right? All the danger of being blown to pieces is real. You send friends of yours shot and then someone, you know, I don't know, someone shoots down your plane that you're in, you crash in a field, you're all fucked up. People start shooting bullets at you, going past your head in the field. You have to climb over a barbed wire fence. You fuck yourself all up. You, you have to survive the cold, sleep rough. There's malnutrition. There's the fucking horror of what? Only to get back to Britain and die of a toe infection or so. Like, it's a bit of a come down, isn't it? It's like, why, like, why did I bother? Like, <laughs> that was a nice field. I, I should have just stayed there. And I'm not even mocking, you know? Like, I mean, I am a bit. But not, not the effort or the seriousness of it. It's more like 
how silly this is. That the health service is fucked because of something as stupid as ideology and funding, you know, and money mismanagement, right? And the weird detached insistence from those in charge is just, you know, I don't even know what the adjective is for that. You know, like Sunak saying that the NHS has all the money it needs. They have all the money. We never give them more money. Well, yeah, like they have all the money they need. But that like in the budget, sure, that is not the issue, though, is it, dickhead? (laughs) The issue is that your white tie mates keep winning contracts and plundering the budgets for hundreds of millions of pounds. Like it's just waste, right? You remove X billion from the public coffers, apply it to this institution over here. You know, that is what you do. But it's insulting then for them to stand up there, fresh from taking 11 milli, (laughs) 11 cool milli in donations from someone like Lord Ashcroft, right? Who then drinks in 350 million pounds in private contracts. And then they go, oh, it has all the money that it needs. It has all the money. The budget has never been so big. It's got all the money that it needs. That it then has to bleed in, bleed out all of that money over to my mates over here. I mean, it's not our fault if they can't spend their money properly in the NHS, is it? It's not our fault, quaff, quaff, with two magnums of Moe and Baroness Moan over here with a custom-carved ivory and gold dildo. Ashcroft over there getting some fucked-up blood transfusion of B-negative blood of a, of a seven-year-old. Like, the shit's an oil change to keep him feeling younger or whatever the fuck else it is that these rich motherfuckers do with all that money. Where? Where does all the money go? I cry on my freshly refurbished super yacht that I named after the procurement lady that looked the other way, looked the other way at the empty ethics advisor office over there so that I might sneak in and sign the paperwork and rob Wexham Park of a much needed 30 million pound children's cancer ward. Yes, I am angry about this. Here's a question for you all. How long do you think it will be until they start building Nightingale hospitals again? Like, how long do you, that cannot be too far. Like, those things seem to have slipped away from the political comedy reference bank, don't they? Like, how they built these emergency hospitals in, like, fucking three weeks? At a cost of half a billion. (laughs) Half a billion pounds. And I think they saw 10 patients between. (laughs) It was fucking insane. Half a billion quid. To see 10 patients. Like, what is the expense rate of... I mean, we always look at, you know, AXA Healthcare and Virgin Healthcare and Booper Healthcare. It's it's sort of opulent private medical thing because they spend, like, you know, I don't know, 10 grand or 50 grand treating a patient. or You know, whatever the going rate is per patient up in Booper land, that seems like opulent. What the fuck do you get for half a billion to 10 patients? What kind of back rub and blowjob deal do you get when you walk in the doors of a Nightingale hospital? Half a billion quid for 10 patients. Fucking Dr. Leg off EastEnders saw more COVID patients than Nightingale. And he died a year before the virus was born. Half a billion. Fuck. And then they just, you know, shut them. Just dismantle, like, here, here was me thinking that, you know, that was all a ferocious waste of money. But no, it turns out they were just ahead of their time. Like, we could, we could use those hospitals now, couldn't we? I mean, right time, right place wouldn't cover it if we had those hospitals. Or how about, how about the 40 new hospitals? Do you remember that? All that talk of 40 new hospitals... And 50,000 new nurses. Don't, don't forget that little doozy. Just imagine if that had been true. 
dear listeners. Just imagine with me, guys, for a second. I know it's weird. I know you'll feel a bit silly, but just, you know, just clear your mind for a moment. Wherever you are, whether you're commuting or just, you know, sitting about in the lounge or or if you're driving home, just close your eyes. Just don't filter out all the distractions, all the other cars, all the beeping, people screaming. Just filter it. It's, you know, there's a place for mindfulness, guys, and that is right now. Just close your eyes and imagine with me. Join me in my imagination. Just fantasize with me, all right? Just dream with me of what the country might be like if manifesto promises were actually true. Like, <laughs> If CCHQ didn't endlessly wheel out hollow commitments on eggshell foundations, you know, how good would the country be? If manifesto promises were actually realised. If in the run-up to general election campaigns, like it was all actually planned policy, like, yeah, we've got the money for this, and it's this is exactly what's going to happen. Like... Instead of, you know, when they're challenged on them, on the breakfast sofas, in the run-up to a GE, then they, you know, they obfuscate and dodge, you know. Well, you say here it's, uh, you know, 40 new hospitals. You're committing to 40 new hospitals. But the figures here suggest that they are, they're not actually going to be new. And some are not even hospitals. Oh, oh yeah, well, um, well, well, what about Labour? Uh, I mean, how many, how many hospitals are Labour committing to? I mean, what about Labour? You know, just imagine if it wasn't that. Like in this instance, 40 new hospitals would probably sort us out, right? Just just imagine if the Brexit promises hadn't been disgusting, self-serving lies designed primarily to bolster Boris Johnson's profile. Like, if we actually had that extra money for the NHS now, wow! Just imagine if, if, the, if Brexit had really delivered greater employment protections, you know? There was all that fear at the time, like, well, you know, if we leave the EU, are you just going to, you know, cut the red tape and down with regulation? And are you going to, like, trash our holiday pay and maternity pay and all these protections? Oh, no, 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 no. What this does is it means that we can leave the EU and we can have even greater protections. Like, imagine if Brexit had really delivered that. <laughs> How much better the country would be. Or if it had yielded better trade deals, superior trade deals. Instead of putting shit in the rivers and threatening your holiday and maternity leave provisions, right? Just imagine how much better if these lies had been true. And I suppose that's the really hurtful thing about conservatism in the 21st century, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's not that you have to wait 18 months to get the hip operation, right? Or that ex-public service or why government benefit is disappointing, you know? I mean, we're British, right? The weather is shit and our football teams haven't won a World Cup for over half a fucking century. We're used to being disappointed. It's fine. The thing that grates is the opportunistic lying, you know? The betrayal of hope. The manipulation. It's like, it, it really is like this. It's like, hey, uh, you, you care about um, schools and hospitals and climate change, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, what if I told you that if you vote for Brexit, all of those will be better? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's... A, like, even though they know that none of them will be, right? That's the thing that stings. I can handle a shit school. I can handle a bit of a wait for the dentist or whatever. But when you lure me in to vote for whatever it is that you're selling and you specifically say, vote for this 
And we can fix all this shit, man. It's just one tick box away, you know. And you know that it's bullshit? That is just... Because you, now you now you don't only have to deal with the fact that things are shit and getting shitter. Now you also have to deal with the anger and shame of knowing you were conned. So it's a double hit. It's like getting clocked in the face and a body blow. Like, bam, bam. That is always the worst. Is the getting garden pathed element to it. You know, it's like fucking... It's like some sort of, you know, internet connections, platform, salesman guy. You know, going up to some guy and go like, Hey, you're um you're lonely and pathetic, aren't you? Um yeah, yeah like obviously. Right, okay. Do you wish that you were having more sex, right? I mean, like more sex. Yeah, I mean like any any sex would be great. Well, you are in luck. I I am. Yeah, if if you just put your credit card details in here, you sign up to the ball draining lonelyhobags.com that 12 month subscription. You are going to be drowning in... Oh, oh wow. I mean, that's, that actually sounds uh, re- really appealing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're, you you are going to erode your genitals away in the first month of membership. Trust, bruv. Uh, well, I pr- probably won't need the other um, 11 months of membership then. Well, I'm sure you'll recover. And it's only $25 a month, right? So for one year's contract, you could jump on board now. You could start talking to these horny... Bikini girl stock photos that I found on Google. So anyway, 12 months. What do you say? Well, I say yes. Where where do I sign? Here's my credit card. And then you log on and it's just a quiet chat room, right? But there's 157 lonely motherfucking men with angry boners under the desk of their mum's computer room. Like, then it's not just that you're sad and lonely. Now you are sad and lonely and you got conned. (laughs) Go you. Great fucking job. Like, and it's kind of the same. I mean, you know, I'm not saying if you voted Brexit, you're the same sort of person that signs up for that, you know, sort of, you know, tiewives.org kind of nonsense. But, but I don't know, you know, maybe you are more susceptible to scams in general. So what the fuck do I know? (laughs) Maybe, maybe you are. I don't know. Do you, do you guys... Right, here's, here's, a, here's another question for you. Do you think there's a subset of angry, flag-nonce Brexiters who, who go and see hookers, right, who are going to be really angry in a year's time when the visas run out and they're forced to pay double the price for an angry British prostitute? <laughs> do you think that's, is, is that a collective of people that would be easily won over to the Remain cause? Because I think, you know... I think if anything could swing it, it's that. We, we could win hearts and minds. It's all about messaging. you just got to find a way to connect your cause to these people. And that might yield some results. You know, like one minute they'll be like, I am, I am against Europe. I don't want a European army. I want British sovereignty and death to the Euro. Then, you know, two years later, fucking Alina, 25, from Romania. <laughs> she... F- Flies home, visa's done. She has to fuck up back home. And then the dude's paying £300 to get a blowjob from Tina, 45, from Braintree. Like, and then, and then you'd see him a week later and he'd be like, well, you know, we, we gave Brexit a go. We, we gave it a good go. And next minute, it's running down the street draped in an EU flag. Just fucking total conversion. Anyway, what else has been happening, guys? Um... What else is in the news today? Sunak gave a speech. That was a big, big story. Uh, Rishi Sunak, um, who Jim Felton refers to as the people's psychopath, he gave a speech today. um, And, you know, it's the usual soulless, hole-poking nonsense. He's just fucking dreadful. He's just, like, there's just no confidence there. There's no gravitas you don't get any sense that this is a world leader, do you? I don't. Like, I listened to him giving his speech this afternoon, and I was like, I don't know if he knows whether to read the autocue 
or sell me a phone. You know, like he's just got that kind of, you know, not really into the job yet, but interny. I get sort of interny Barclays vibe from him. But yeah, he said he he pledged. Well, he had five pledges or some shit. Um, but he said he pledged to halve inflation this year. Which, you know, if you are a returning listener of the podcast, then obviously welcome back. You're very welcome. Pull up a pew, grab yourself a beer. But if you have listened to this podcast a few times, you will know that, you know, inflation and its effect on the mortgage market is something that I'm, you know, fretting and tearing my hair out about. Because every time inflation goes up, then they raise the mortgage interest rates and, you know, so on. So when he says he pledges to halve inflation, my ears prick up, okay? And inflation is currently at 11%. It is a 40-year high. We are in pretty terrible economic territory here. Inflation, 11%. Now, when he says he's going to halve inflation, I'm like, oh, okay. So does that mean prices are coming down again? So my gas bill is going to come down, is it? Or they're going to make mortgages cheaper? Like, how? how is it he's going to pledge to halve inflation? And then I did some reading on it. I was like, hang on a second. Like, the Bank of England have already said inflation is going to dip substantially from June onwards because that is when the gas prices, right, get this, fall out of the annual comparison. Okay. If, if you're not quite following that, it's fine. It took me a second to understand it too. But basically it's this. It's not that gas prices are going to come down and get cheaper and thus inflation will come down. I mean, that that might happen in a couple of years or whatever, like because wholesale gas prices have got cheaper, but because you buy it in advance, it has to be stored and so on. Like it, it takes a while for that to work its way down to the retail market and, you know, whatever else. Um, but no, what this means... When the Bank of England say it's going to come down after June and that's when it leaves the annual comparison, right? It will just mean that it hasn't gone up again. That's all it means. And so we won't have increased by another 11%, right? You understand? So even though last year's prices went up by however many hundreds of pounds you're paying now for your gas and electric and however many pounds your barber and your mcdonald's or whoever else have to put on top of the price of their products to make up the cost of their energy bills and so on even though last year's prices went up because we're in a new year now and now we will be comparing this year to last year right technically the bank of england will be able to say inflation is now at four percent because the prices have only gone up by another 2% this year. Do you understand? So it's not that prices are going to come down. Your gas bills won't get any cheaper. Your mortgage isn't coming down. But he will be able to credibly say, oh, yeah, it's, uh, inflation has gone down to 6%. Inflation has halved. Right. OK, great. Thanks very much for that. Even though things will get more expensive still for the rest of us. Somehow they will be able to claim that inflation has gone down to 6%. So we're already in the deeper realms of bullshit and garden pathism. You know, wonderful. Stick with me and I'll bring inflation down. So you're going to make my bills cheaper? Um, well, um, quick, look over there. Maths lessons. Fucking bellend. Let's move on. Next up, right. He said he plans to cut taxes as soon as we're able to. He plans to cut taxes as soon as he's able to. So, again, <laughs> if you're eagle-eyed and all ears about this stuff, you will know that he can't cut taxes because he needs that money to come into the coffers to service national debt, of which there is now more than 100% of GDP. We've gone over 100% debt to GDP ratio. And this guy reckons he's got some tax cuts coming. The only way he's going to cut taxes is if he immediately stimulates growth. And he can't stimulate growth, you know, in the immediate, at least, without rejoining the single market which he won't do. So wonderful. Two for two. What a load of rubbish. <laughs> which I guess is why he's so vague about it, right? So wishy-washy. It's like, I, I plan 
to cut taxes as uh, as, uh, as soon as I'm able to. Well, fucking sure, mate. (laughs) I plan to have intercourse with Mia Kunis as soon as I'm able to. Two. (laughs) But I have a sneaking suspicion neither of our plans are going to pan out, are they? So, on to the next one. Oh, yes, the maths thing. The maths thing. So, our friend, Jolly on Rubenstein, the comedian, uh, who we're doing the live show with, by the way, in February. More about that at the end. Uh, our friend Jolly on Rubenstein made light of this maths thing earlier. Like, Sunak reckons he's going to roll out compulsory maths to everyone throughout secondary school and yet he can't fucking hire any new teachers as it is like people are leaving in droves they are quitting they've had enough and Sunak's going to be like no 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 no, no. please please stay come on and they're going to be like well I mean are you actually going to pay us better are you going to respect our profession Would, would you consider staying for the same money but you stay on to teach maths like are you mental (laughs) <laughs> you've got so many problems with education and you think the calling card here the one that's going to win everyone over is if like some fucking bullshit maths policy that's been ill thought through uh, like it just what the fuck man what the fuck anyway then he pledged an update on the strike action in the coming days right I pledge to give you an update on the strike action in the... Again, pretty vague, but at least acknowledging the chaos of strikes right now. And look, I think... Here was the vibe that I got from the whole thing. I think the whole thing came off to me. And I appreciate I'm a bit biased, right? Um... I mean, I like to keep it reasonably measured and I I don't want to get too tribal, but also fuck the Tories. So uh, I think he came off as someone who had been beaten on all fronts. That was the vibe I got from him in his speech today. Like the NHS strikes and the rail strikes, like that stuff has got him talking about an update on strikes coming very soon. You know, emphasising how valued nurses are and how now he wants to sit down with the union. I want to talk with the new unions. Like He's gone from saying the NHS has all the funding it needs and number 10 refusing to recognise that the NHS is in crisis mode and Sunak's spokesman refusing to answer questions about whether he himself would let his wife or daughters go to an NHS hospital right now. Disparaging, dismissing, arrogance. He's gone from all of that to now giving a speech outlining how he's focused on the number of beds and improving ambulance and A&E processes. And, you know, he's gone from bashing the unions and saying, oh, Labour strikes this and these unions are holding the economy to ransom and like all of that sort of language to saying, oh, I want to sit down with the unions. And the whole vibe that I got from his speech was one of like, Him knowing that he's 25 points down. He knows that Brexit's fucked. Two thirds of people now actively, like they're saying in polls that they want a referendum. I saw that in a poll over the weekend. Two thirds. Like people know levelling up is gone. That their heating and their mortgages have shot up. It's like every pillar of recent conservative manifestos is just gone. And then, you know, here he is (laughs) on a stage begrudgingly accepting that. But yet, you know, somehow trying to contort that acceptance in a kind of uh, into a kind of um, self-inflated battle cry. You know, like trying to take things that he's been battered and bruised and bashed into addressing and then trying to misrepresent and market that. Back to people as though these are like new policy ideas that we should all... These are my ideas, guys. We should all be excited about these new ideas that I've just thought up. That I haven't... I absolutely haven't been battered and then pushed onto the stage and forced to tell you about these things to try and calm it against accusations that I've gone missing. (laughs) That I'm... I've gone MIA while the country burns. These are my exciting ideas, guys. But it's just not going to fly. You know... None of this shit is floating. 
Or at least I don't think it's landing with people, you know? Like, the other, the other pledge he came out with was about it's something like 20,000 new police. And I was like, are you seriously going to stand there and give this same commitment that sequential prime ministers, I commit to giving you 20,000 new bobbies on the beat every time they do it and then they roll back on it. <laughs> or it's like, well, how many, how many are actually new police? Well, you know, some of them are returning retirees and some of them are volunteer uh, uh, community support officers. Some of them are part-timers. Some of them are actually not really police. They're just uh, circo people who work in the police offices. You know what it is. 20,000 new police. We'll just call it 20K. It's like people are fucking over this stuff. They've heard the 20,000 police before. They've heard the 50,000 nurses. They've heard the 40 new hospitals. They've heard the 350 million pound a week for the NHS. They're just fucking sick of it. None of it battles. This guy came off as just being backed into four of four. Somehow he's defied physics, right? He's gone, he's gone into the middle of a room and people have backed him into four different corners all at the same time. I don't know how he's done it, but he's, he's managed it uh, to be backed into every single corner of one room. Guys, that's it. That's all I've got time for uh, tonight. Once again, thanks to the Patreons for continuing your support uh, of the podcast over the last year. Uh, really means the world to me. So once again, just going to read out your names. Thank you to Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, Chris and Rax. And then Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah and Kerry. Um, big doff of the cap to all of you. Um, looking forward to meeting you. Those of you that I didn't meet at the last meetup. Um, for Patreons. That was in October in Brick Lane. Um, and hopefully a few of you are going to make it to the gig that we're doing in Soho on the 10th of February. That's at 21 Soho on Friday the 10th of February. It is sold out now, I'm afraid. Um, but there is talk of resell information. It might turn up sometime soon. I don't know. I'm not fucking Ticketmaster. Um, but I will, you know, I'll tweet some stuff out as and when I hear more about that. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I'll be back on Friday night with my guest, Gemma Forte of Channel 5 of uh, the Jeremy Vine Show and Sky News Papers. Um, until next time, take care of yourselves. Bye for now.